What is up, rugby fans? It's Scott here at the Safa Pod. In a world where the amount of rugby available for us to consume over the weekend seemed a little bit lower than usual, especially since our franchises joined the North, the rugby that we did have was pure quality. This week I'll be flying solo as Steeg's is currently battling a horrible case of the man flu, so you'll only have one dubious rugby opinion to contend with. Now, the Curry Cup semi-finals saw the Cheetahs put the balls to the sword and proved that free state rugby is soaring, with friend of the show, Tepiwa Mafura, showing why we're such big fans. The Pumas also showed real grit to beat the Sharks. And speaking of that Pumas performance, we're delighted to be joined by Curry Cup winner, try scoring phenomenon, and all round nice guy, Devin Williams. Devin, how are you, mate? I'm good in myself. Good, man. Good. Really keen to, to get into it with you and, and, and chat a bit of rugby. Now, you boys pulled off a fantastic win over the weekend. Some might, might call it a surprise win. Certainly, I don't think those in, in your camp would call it that. What's the, the mood like in the camp at the moment? And and what's what's the mood like looking forward to the final? Yeah, I think the weekend surprised a lot of people. Obviously, no one backs a small union. Uh, that's just a reality. Um, but yeah, I think our guys stuck to what we put in the week, game plan-wise. I didn't think we played the, the most attractive rugby, but it worked. And yeah, I think... Starting off the campaign, we start off with a bang, beating everyone, being top of the log, and then, yeah, eat a few rocks in the road. And just a while, I think one game just pulled it back for us because, I mean, we didn't lose by far, but things just didn't went away. And I think for the past two games now, we showed that if we stick to what we could at and we stick to our game plan and things work for us. So, yeah, the mood definitely... Spirits are up there, guys are up for it. And I mean, a lot of people, they get the opportunity to play the Karika final, yet to say like back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've mentioned it there. I think there's a lot of people calling you guys the, the monster of the Curry Cup, which I think is almost slightly unfair, just given the fact that you actually won the competition last year. You did say there, obviously, you, you hit a couple of bumps in the road almost mid-season. What do you think is the reason that, that you guys have, have picked up form and, and what game would you say is the game that, that turned it around for you? I think, like I said, we were in it in all the games. We lost by seven or less. <laughs> yeah, if my facts are right, like we weren't, we weren't one by four or anything. Just small stuff that started to creep in, obviously, fatigue, injuries. And like we read all over social media, like uh, we don't have the depth that the bigger unions have. It's, every year we lose players. So to build a, a squad depth of 40 guys they can put on the field week in and week out, I, I think it's impossible. I think like me and Cornet spoke this morning, over the course of the last three years, we've lost 24 players. Yeah. And every year we have to start, we have to start over. So eventually I think the fatigue kicked in for a lot of guys because it's been week in, week out. And obviously moves are down because you know you have guys that's yearning to play, but they don't get the opportunity. And I think a lot of stuff off the field also plays a role. And in terms of that, like I'm saying, like guys thinking they deserve a chance, but coaches just feel it's not their, their time yet. So their moves are down. So training doesn't go as, as planned. And yeah, I think definitely when backs against the wall, 
against the Greek was when you're going there, you beat them last year. We knew they were to come guns blazing, obviously because, first of all, we knocked them out last year in the final at home. So maybe a little bit of revenge coming from their side. And yeah, I think everything just went, like clicked again for us going into that game because we know that would have been our last same for the, for the semi-final against the Sharks. Like they came with a team, lock and loaded. We just rocked that up and the guys just believed. You've you've touched on something quite nicely there in terms of what what people perceive in South Africa as the smaller unions or the unions that don't necessarily now play European rugby, what what was previously super rugby. What do you think needs to be done to improve player retention and also the the, the kind of monetary side of things? Because if you look at, at the players that you've lost, it's it's the likes of Willy Engelbrecht, who was fantastic for you guys last year, who went to, to the Stormers, to Piwa Mafura, who's gone back to the Cheetahs, who usually plays on the wing or at 15, so you'll probably run into him, yeah. run into him in the final. <laughs> what what do you think needs to, to happen to to improve those unions and, and help them build? Yeah, I think um, Coach Jimmy Stone said it after the Greekos game and even Coach Peter Berg said it, that we just need another competition, you know. Um, I mean, how are you going to retain guys if we only play Curry Cup and people just see us as, a, as the feeding grounds of the bigger unions? Because, I mean, like you said, the Piwas play for the Cheetahs now. The Neil Martins play for the Cheetahs. They left the cup with us. I mean, I can name so many names of guys playing URC that has played with me. And now, obviously, they get the opportunity. And if we can just maybe, like, get another competition, even if it's not the URC, even if it's just another smaller competition, because, I mean, we're playing Curry Cup. I think we're putting out the goods. Maybe I want to step on a few toes, but, I've, I mean... We've got the bigger teams coming with the URC players and no one gives us a chance, even this week, even for the Cheetahs beating the Bulls. And the excuses are being made of, of them playing a long season. But I think to put the small unions in another competition will then again be a level, level playing field. They play URC, we may be playing another small competition. Boom, we beat the to eight in the Curry Cup again. And I mean, the Curry Cup is one of the oldest competitions in world rugby. So I don't see why it has to become a, let's say, a, a minor competition to the URC. Absolutely. I think it's a, a very interesting point, especially the fact, I mean, you look at, and now I'm, I'm originally from Cape Town, so I can say this. You look at the horrible form that province have had against the Griquas specifically. I don't think they've beat them for the last five or six Rounds and nah, they've loaded. Lost six yeah, it's last six rounds and, and they've loaded their they've loaded their they loaded their most recent Griquas game with URC players and players who actually played in, in the URC finals. So be interesting yeah. to see. I think there's there's maybe talks of whoever wins the Curry Cup being one of the additions into the Challenge Cup, which could be quite cool. I mentioned Cape Town there. You originally started your rugby, I believe, paid for Paul Boys and you then went to, to Western Province and, and, and the Stormers. You've been quite open in saying that it might have been a case of the wrong time for you because you played at the same time as as Colby did in, in the back three and, and coaches maybe not wanting to put two smaller back three players on at the same time. And, and that's obviously a coaching decision more than anything else. Is there anything you would have done differently with hindsight or is there a case of maybe you would have left Province a little bit earlier to, to explore other options earlier now that you've 
you're slightly further on in your career? You know, it's actually an interesting story. Uh, like you say, that that was a, from a coaching point of view, that was told to me and yeah, I've accepted it. But um, athletic is always my main thing. Uh, so rugby was almost just like a hobby, which I enjoyed. Uh, runs in my family and yeah. So I got the opportunity to play Craven Week and after Craven Week got offers from all over the show. Then my mom actually told me like, you're going to study. So I was like, oh, okay, why not? Went to Marty, studied, never played Varsity Cup or anything, but I got the opportunity to play Province of the 19. From there, straight down 21, two years, maybe I've World Cup Cup. So <clears throat> it's almost like I never had these small goals set out for myself. For me, it was just about enjoying myself. And then just one day, Coach Alistair called me in and said, listen, you're, you're on the bench this weekend for the Stormers. And I was so shocked because... Like I said, I never put out these small goals, but in hindsight, I achieved everything I think that every rugby player wants at that young age. And I think decisions I made in that time, obviously, concluding club, clubbing and all that stuff, everything played a role. And I don't think I was ready at that time as well to grab an opportunity with both hands. Yes, I went out and I showed myself and I think I made a name, but... It wasn't the rugby that I'm currently playing or the experience that I built up now of my knowledge of the game and how I looked at the game. And yeah, so actually I went back to my parents and I told them, listen, yeah, I'm going to call it quits. This is what they told me. And then Marty said, but okay, come back. And then you play Varsica for us. Then, yeah, shit hit the fan again because I stopped my studies there before that playing super rugby because of all the traveling and stuff. And then the new rule came in that I had to study the year before that, but I had all the credits and stuff. I just didn't study. And so, yeah, so the Pumas showed me. <laughs> and the first thing I was like, but who's the Pumas? And everyone at this union knows the story. <laughs> and I was like, who's the Pumas and why me? And my wife, girlfriend at the current time, she told me, listen, you're not going to play club rugby and you know you're good. So why don't you just go to a small unit and see if you can make a difference? And it's been eight years later and I haven't looked back once. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you, you think of the Pumas, you're certainly one of the players that comes to my mind, if I'm completely honest, is, is one of the, the, the through and through Pumas players, even though you didn't start your career there. Now, you've you mentioned your wife there, who was, was your girlfriend at that time. Does she still prank you by uh, by telling you that she's just putting highlights in your hair, but actually completely dyeing it, or has she she stopped doing that? No, we actually had a, a big fight off of that. Uh, so I told her it's not gonna happen again. But yeah, obviously got highlights again this year. But yeah, it's in the open now, so it's not about pranking me anymore. So she'll just come up with a certain hairstyle, and then I'll be like, ah, okay, baby, just do it or whatever. I mate, I I love your hairstyle. So that's that's sick. You've also mentioned that uh, Jimmy Stonehouse there. What's what's he like as as a coach, and is he as intimidating in person as he is on the TV? Uh, Jimmy's a special character. Um, I've gotten very close to Jimmy. Man, that does a lot for the team. But yeah, when it comes to preseason, you will know you in the preseason. If stuff doesn't go according to plan, you're gonna hear Jimmy off time. But I think it comes from a special place in his heart. And definitely, uh, I'll say it from a place in my heart, he's not everyone's cup of tea. I've had personal friends, good friends that are still mates with me. They left the Pumas. 
that left because of the way Jimmy does things. And I don't think everyone always gets the in-depth in Jimmy Stonehouse. So I've had a lot of meetings with Jimmy, sat in his office, where he opens up, but we're coming to meetings or whatever, and this big guy comes in and just wants to put authority down. But I know from what place it comes. And yeah, like I said, you don't mess with Jimmy. Like, if he does something, he goes all out, definitely. I think those are sometimes the best coaches, if I'm honest, in terms of the results that they get. And his results speak for themselves. If you look at last year and this year, the fact that you guys are in another final, he's, he's certainly done something right. He had to play you at fly half for a bit last year on the back of kind of injuries and, and everything that happened. What would you say the benefits of having a fullback that's played fly half is? And would you recommend that every fullback spends some time at fly half just to, to, to get a bit of experience? Yeah, I think it would be beneficial for everyone. Yet again, like I think how the game evolved, your fly half in your 15 does basically the same thing nowadays. Um, especially in our team, like I get the freedom slot in wherever. And I think just from a perspective of going moving to 10, like you don't have that much time. I think in the first few games when I moved to 10, it felt like I haven't played rugby my whole career. And Coach uh, Jimmy just sat me down and said, listen, you're not a fullback. You don't have that much space and time now. So just take it slower and the game will open up for you. So it wasn't that much of a change, but I think it's just a time and space thing compared to 15. In terms of, you'd spoken about your experience earlier and your experience as a younger player. What would your advice be to young rugby players at the moment or aspiring rugby players that are wanting to become professional rugby players? What would you advise them to do that maybe you did do or maybe you didn't do that you think would be influential and helpful? Yeah, I think obviously we work a lot with the young guys because like we said, we lose a lot of experienced players leaving and then we get the young varsity cup guys in. And that's to craft when you have to craft, but get the balance of partying so knowing every young rugby guy's mind is what are we doing after the game and you know what are we doing during the week and I think if they can find the balance because obviously when you're young you feel you recover quicker but in the long run it's going to catch up to you and I think that's definitely one thing I'll put out of them and if you like I always tell the young guys coming into our squad 21, 22 year olds you guys have no idea how privileged you are. Because when I think in my era, when we came onto the team, when you, you were sitting with big guns and you knew you weren't going to play, just to absorb, because I mean, you're 21, but you're crying that you're not going to play over the weekend in a Karika game. I mean, you're 21, you have your whole career in front of you. If you can absorb for one to two years, what a different mindset that will give you in terms of when you get your first opportunity, that you don't just stuff it up but actually go out and make a name for yourself. Because, I mean, you we've all been young and you don't want to listen because you think you, you're the manier. And I always tell them, like, we have the saying here, like, we'll tell the guys straight up and even, like, senior guys going at each other, we'll say, you are nothing until you've proven yourself. So until you show your worth on and off the field, we will acknowledge it. If not, we will straight up tell each other that you are nothing. So I think to absorb as much as you can, and enjoy it. Because, I mean, career it's a blink of an eye and it's gone. I think earning your stripes, is, as they say, is, is a very 
important thing in in every facet of life, not just rugby. So it's it's probably quite a good lesson for most young people, not just just rugby players. Obviously, at the moment we've got the the Curry Cup final happening next week, but later on this year you've you've got the Springboks playing in the the Rugby World Cup, and and we asked Nietzsche for share this last week. So I'd be I'd be interested to see what your thoughts were. <laughs> Other than South Africa, who do you think? is is likely to win the world cup if you take south africa in it and is there maybe a dark horse that you see that maybe a couple of folk on on talking about that might be able to win the rugby world cup the old four all blacks can never throw them away no uh, that's that's just a given my honest opinion on france and england i think they're picking too early or france and ireland sorry i think england is just going to be there but like I said, Ireland and France, I think they peaked way too early and for way too long. Definitely my dark horses. I want to say Australia. Yet again, I don't think Eddie's going to make, going to be the guy for them now. Maybe in a few years' time. But my dark horses for this year, Fiji, Tonga, and Japan. Yeah, I Those think, are my dark horses. I think the, the Fiji and the, the Tonga one is also massive because i think i'm not if you look at that pool that south africa's got not only do we have ireland and scotland but we've also got tonga who a lot of people aren't acknowledging the fact that those yeah. boys have now got some really really big names that yeah. could do a lot of hard work and also a lot of really really fancy footwork out wide too so it'll be it'll be interesting to see yeah. how they go um i'm actually and i can't believe i'm saying this i'm actually quite concerned for the tonga game because obviously most people think you're going to stack your squad for the Scotland and the Ireland game, but then you yeah. probably actually still have to play a really, really good team, if not your best team against Tonga, to give yourself the likelihood of making it through that pool. So be interesting to see what happens. I think I'm, I'm on the same page as you, Devin. But you're you're obviously 31, and we've seen a trend of, of players going until they're, they're almost 40. Do you see yourself staying in rugby and maybe picking up the coach's clipboard and, and becoming another Jimmy Stonehouse, maybe a slightly different coach, or do you want to do something in, in the field that you studied, which I believe is environmental management? I've actually given a thought. Um, for now, I'm just enjoying my rugby. Obviously, in uh, my off time, try to get some more experience in and that type of thing. And I think I get this question a lot of, oh, when are you done? And I'm like, well, if they don't want me anymore, then I'll be done. So if that age is 40, if it's 50, so be it. If I have to go into coaching, then by all means, why not? If I go into this, my field of study, then yeah. So for this moment, I'm just trying to enjoy my rugby as much as I can, enjoy spending time with my family. And then, yeah, here and there, try to get some work experience. So if I'm done, then I have a backup or... If it comes to coaching, then yeah. And have you, this is a question we, we also ask a couple of our guests in terms of quote unquote, the smaller unions. Have you been approached by any of the, the URC teams or the European teams on the back of the fantastic rugby that you've been playing this year? Or is that humans until you die and, and, and that's where you want to stay until you retire? <laughs> no, obviously through the years I've had chats with everyone. Uh, kind of, few offers throughout the years, but I made the decision purely on my family. We're quite settled here in Alsprate and uh, actually my son was born three years ago and I just made the, the choice that I want to stay with my family because that's one of my main pillars, what keeps me drive, uh, driven and 
and focused and like doing everything for them. But yeah, we've we've had a chat, me and my wife, and say if something comes up. So there is something in the pipeline, maybe. Maybe I'm leaving, maybe I'm not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when the time comes. Uh, I think anybody who's listening should be turning their notifications on for, for Devin's uh, social media to, to see what could be in the pipelines. But it sounds it sounds really <laughs> exciting. On that note, Devin, we like to to end the, the podcast interview with a bit of a, a quick fire round. Best player you've played with or against? Uh, I'll have to say Chisler. Best value or the loosest guy on a night out? Oh, definitely my roommate, Edwin Swart. He's basically the soul of our team. Doesn't care what he does and whatever he says, he will do. That That's him in a nutshell, but I love him to bits. And uh, would you prefer to score a try or set a try up? Uh, set up a try. Real, real team man there. Do you have any pre-match rituals? No, not really. Best game of your career? Oh, definitely have to say Karika final last year. It'll be interesting to to see you boys this week. And I know you said that the rugby that you played over the weekend wasn't the most attractive brand of rugby, but the reality is playoff rugby is playoff rugby. And it doesn't matter what kind of rugby you play on the day. It's it's whether or not you win. Thank you so much for your time, mate. You've been a great guest. Been good to, to get a, know a bit more about you and, and get a bit of a, a feel into what the Pumas are looking like a, ahead of the Curry Cup final. Good luck. We'll definitely be be cheering you on. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it a lot, eh? I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Safa Pod. We'll be taking a break next week to reflect on our first 11 episodes. When we are back, it will be to review the Curry Cup and look ahead to the first week of what should be a cracking rugby championship. We'll see you then.